A reading from Acts 9, verses 32 to 43. As Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the saints in Lydda. There he found a man named Enos, a paralytic who had been bedridden for eight years. Enos, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and take care of your mat. Immediately Enos got up. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which when translated is Dorcas, who was always doing good in helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, Please, come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called the believers and the widows and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. God, we thank you for this passage, and we pray that you would guide us as we reflect upon these words that you would speak to each one of us by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't think that it is just myself who has noticed that the church, and by the church I don't mean our local congregation, but the church worldwide, has been in the news a lot over the past year. And we have been getting the headlines in ways perhaps that we didn't expect. Uh, some of the ways in which the church has been in the news has included the ways that certain congregations have responded to the COVID-19 pandemic and their refusal to abide by government restrictions. Uh, other ways that the, uh, the church has been in the news has been in the ways that uh, some people of faith have aligned themselves with uh, political parties or political figures, and uh, those who were especially attached to a certain uh, ex-president, and how there were people carrying Jesus Save signs at a recent riot. There have been in the news uh, headlines about uh, Christian organizations whose founders have been found to be involved in sexual abuse and in the ways that uh, some of those organizations have fought to uh, keep that under wraps and to even try to go after the victims in order to protect their organizations. We've seen uh, another celebrity Christian who has been labeled a heretic simply for speaking out against sexual abuse in her denomination, and people have been upset that she would speak so widely about that 
terrible crime. And so we look at these various headlines and the ways the church has been mentioned in the news and in social media. And I want to ask, if someone knew nothing about the church except for what they read in the news and social media, would they have a positive or a negative view of the church? Let me be even more specific. Would someone look at the ways the church has been mentioned in the past year? Would they conclude that the church is Christ-like? Would they see Jesus in the ways the church has been in the news? And that's uh, something that we need to be thinking about. We need to be reflecting deeply about that. Uh, I don't think that it is a stretch to say that the church should be Christ-like. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 describes the church as the body of Christ. The church is the physical presence of Jesus on earth. And so we should be like Jesus in some way. And if we're not, there is a problem. So we're going to be thinking about this. We're going to be reflecting upon this concept as we take a look at a passage from Acts 9. In this story, we have the Apostle Peter performing a couple of miracles. And it would be really easy for us to look at this passage and these two miracle stories and say, well, uh, we know what this is all about. This is just a, another example of how the Holy Spirit was powerfully at work within the early church, uh, performing incredible miracles. And it's just a, a wonder for us to, to look at. And uh, we can see that definitely the Holy Spirit was powerfully at work. And we should be amazed at these stories. But perhaps there's more going on here than first meets the eye. So the, the first story that we have is the story of Aeneas, who was a, uh, a paralytic. So he was uh, paralyzed, and obviously, especially in, in that, um, that time where there was no social support to, and uh, many of the things that people with disabilities today uh, can rely on, that was not available to him. And, and Peter encounters him, and uh, Peter uh, says to him, that uh, Jesus heals him and for him to take up his mat because he is healed. Now, as we hear about the story, you might be thinking, wait a minute, that sounds vaguely familiar. I remember something else like that. Well, in the Gospel of Luke, so written by the same person who wrote Acts, uh, Luke chapter 5, we see Jesus encounter a paralytic, a person who is paralyzed. And Jesus heals the man and tells the man to pick up his mat because he is healed. Very similar to what we've just seen with Peter and Aeneas. Now, you could say, well, that's just a coincidence because back then it was really common for people who were paralyzed to be in public spaces and to be on a mat. So, uh, it, it's really not that big of a deal that there would be similarities uh, between these two stories. But hold on, there is more. We see then the next story here is Peter uh, encountering a woman named Tabitha. And uh, Tabitha, also known, known as Dorcas, and she has died. 
and people are, are quite upset. Uh, they are preparing her for burial, and people are grieving, and in the Middle East, grieving is not necessarily like what it is in the West, where people apologize for a little tear. Uh, they would have been wailing loudly and grieving uh, quite uh, vigorously in this moment. And Peter is uh, called uh, to the place, and he sends the people out of the room, and he kneels before Tabitha and says, Tabitha, get up. And Tabitha comes back to life, and Peter presents her to her friends and family. An incredible story. But wait a minute. That seems really familiar as well. Well, when we turn to Luke chapter 8, we find that there is a story where Jesus encounters uh, another dead girl. Uh, this is the daughter of Jairus, who was a synagogue leader. And so Jesus goes to his house, even though the girl is already dead. He finds that there are people grieving loudly. Uh, they are uh, mourning in the, the same kind of way that we have encountered with uh, Peter and Tabitha. So uh, that is happening, and Jesus sends everyone out of the room, except for the girl's parents and three of the disciples, which happens to include Peter. And Jesus uh, tells the girl to get up, and she gets up, and she is alive, and he presents her to the, the friends and family. And there's another connection here, which is very interesting. In the Gospel of Mark, we're told that the Aramaic, which was the language that Jesus would have spoken, in Aramaic, what Jesus said to the girl was, Talitha kum. And when we turn back to the passage in Acts, where Peter speaks to Tabitha, what he would have said in Aramaic was, Tabitha kum. There's a difference of just one letter. The Talitha kum is little girl, rise. Tabitha kum is Tabitha, rise. And it's just by one letter, a difference. So I'm thinking now that we are seeing more than just a coincidence. That we are purposely meant to make these connections between what Jesus is doing in the Gospels and what Peter is doing in Acts, that he is continuing the work of Jesus. And this is really important. Uh, we can even be asking, why did Luke write two books in the first place? Why did he write a gospel about Jesus and then an Acts about the apostles? Uh, was it just that he, as a historian, wanted to be uh, completely comprehensive, which may be part of the story, but I think what he really wants is for us to see that connection between the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of the church, that there's a continuation of what had happened before. And so what we see from Luke is that the church is meant to be Christ-like. So for me to say that the church is supposed to be Christ-like even today, I don't think is a very controversial statement. I don't think that I'm going to get angry emails or letters that I said that the church today is supposed to be Christ-like. The question is, 
in what way is the church to be Christ-like? What does that look like today? Well, some people could look at this passage in Acts and say, well, it's kind of obvious, isn't it? We should be performing uh, signs and wonders. We should be performing miracles. We should be healing the sick. We should be raising the dead, just like Jesus did, just like Peter did. And so that's what we need to be doing. Well, it's a little more complicated than that. We have to realize that uh, even today, there are different interpretations of what this looks like. There are those who do indeed believe that today the church should be marked by those supernatural signs, that we should be regularly healing the sick and raising the dead, that that should be the everyday experience of the Christian and of the church. There are others who believe that those signs, those miracles, they stopped. They died with the apostles that once we had the, the New Testament, there was never ever a reason for God to perform miracles in that way. Now, I would say that the miracles that we find in the New Testament, even with Jesus, and certainly with the early church, were not meant to get rid of every trace of suffering in the life of a Christian, because we see there is a lot of suffering, there is a lot of death, that happens to Christians. Rather, th those things were signs. They were signs pointing to Jesus. I would also say that there is no evidence in the scriptures that these miracles would stop. So I don't think that we have to choose that these kind of miracles will always happen or that they will never happen. I think that we should be watching and we will definitely pray for people who are sick. Uh, we will ask for God to intervene, and I've had many answers to prayer, but we don't necessarily expect that God is going to heal every single person or is going to take away every bit of suffering from the, our experience. But we should be prepared to be surprised when God acts in a powerful way. So having said that, does that mean that this passage is just an interesting footnote that we can look and, and make note, oh yeah, that was interesting that uh, Peter did that, and wasn't that kind of uh, neat that uh, it echoed what Jesus was doing beforehand? I think that this points to the same, uh, the same thing that we had been looking at before, that the church is supposed to be Christ-like. But what if the way the church is more Christ-like is more general than just reproducing his miracles. What if Luke wants us just to see the general principle that the church is supposed to be more Christ-like? And so we have to ask, what is that going to look like? Well, uh, we call ourselves Christians. We identify as Christians, which means a follower of Christ. Uh, that means that we are being like Christ. We are being like Jesus. We are trying to become more like him. I have heard from some Christians a little bit of frustration of why doesn't God just transport us directly to heaven the moment we believe? Because when we believe, isn't that the end of our journey? Isn't that as far as we have to go? We believed in Jesus. We have eternal life. So God might as well take us to heaven. Our work is done. Well, our work is not done. We are meant to become more and more like Jesus in this lifetime. What we do in our life matters, especially as we are emulating Christ 
and trying to become more like him. So what does that look like if it's not just performing miracles like Jesus? Well, I think uh, that if we set aside the miracles in the Gospels, and I'm not suggesting they didn't happen, I'm not, I'm not taking that naturalist perspective by any means, I'm just saying for a moment, if we set aside Jesus's miracles, do we have any information about what he was like, what he did, and what he valued? And I would say absolutely. We have a lot of information about what was important for Jesus aside from the miracles. There's a lot for us to draw upon. And so we need to be asking ourselves, and this is both as individuals and as a congregation and as a worldwide church, we have to ask ourselves, how much are we like Jesus? How much do our values reflect the values of Jesus? How much is our activity reflecting the activity of Jesus? How much uh, are we spending time with the kind of people that Jesus spent time with? Those are questions we need to be asking. Are we like Jesus or not? Now, I realize that as I say this, this can feel like a real harsh message because we see the difference between where we are and where Jesus is at, and we are tempted to condemn ourselves. We're just such failures because we are not near Christ-like enough. And we are meant to see that difference, but it's not meant to be condemnation. It's meant to point us in the right direction and to encourage us to work towards becoming more Christ-like. So study the Gospels, learn who Jesus is, uh, call upon the Holy Spirit to transform our lives and to be obedient in the areas in which we need to work on. Those are the things that we need to do. I remember back in the, the 1990s, there was a, a big craze in the, the Christian world with the WWJD, what would Jesus do? Remember, there was a lot of bracelets, and uh, perhaps you had one of those bracelets or a t-shirt or, or something that was uh, a part of that uh, huge marketing campaign to promote what would Jesus do, the WWJD. Uh, interestingly, that, that's not uh, where that concept came up. In fact, it was popularized 100 years before that in the novel, In His Steps, which uh, encouraged people to reflect upon that question of what would Jesus do? And if you go back, you can find uh, Christian writers way earlier than that who were thinking about this idea of what would Jesus do? Now, there was some pushback against that. There were people who were quite critical of the WWJD campaign, and part of the problem was not the message, because the message is good. We should be asking, what would Jesus do? The problem was that for many people, when they would ask the question, what would Jesus do? The answer to them was, well, he would wear a WWJD bracelet. That's what he would do. Well, that's not exactly it. Maybe or maybe not, Jesus would wear a bracelet. Uh, but we need to be asking really day-to-day uh, as we make decisions about our life, what would Jesus do in this kind of situation? And not enough reflection was going on. But we need to be asking that question. It doesn't matter if that marketing campaign is over. What would 
Jesus do? What would Jesus do in a worldwide pandemic when we are concerned about what we are doing and, and how we're living and, and what church looks like? What would Jesus do in that situation? If we were working for a Christian organization and our founder was uh, found to have been involved in sexual abuse and we realized that if the truth comes out, you're going to lose the, the financial backing and all of the support that you have and that the organization could crumble, what would Jesus do in a situation like that? For most of us, it's not going to be about a worldwide pandemic or a uh, scandal. It's going to be the day-to-day -day things. What would Jesus do? How would he live his life? And the question we have to ask is, would people see Jesus in us? In the case of Peter, as Peter was living out his life and doing ministry, people could see the similarities between him and Jesus. Can they say the same thing about us? Let us pray. God, we thank you for the stories we have, not just of Jesus, but of the apostles as they lived out their faith and they lived out a Christ-like ministry. We pray that you would help us as individuals, as a congregation, and as a worldwide church to be more Christ-like, that each and every day we would become more and more like Jesus. And in the moments when we're feeling discouraged about how, fall we, how far we fall short, we ask that you would encourage us and that by your Spirit, you would make the changes in our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.